name is Marielle, and I'm the founder of Travel Experiences Reimagined, the podcast for travel enthusiasts, wanderlusts, and adventure seekers, craving to learn more about tours and excursions from all over the world through the eyes of a new tour guide or host each episode. Hi, everyone. When you think of Hollywood, what comes to mind? The famous Hollywood sign? Those big blockbuster movies? Entertainment? What if I told you that you could learn about old Hollywood and the history of old Hollywood through a walking tour? I am so excited to have on April from Old Hollywood Tours, where she offers both virtual and in-person walking tours to talk about the rich history and buildings on Hollywood Boulevard. She loves to dress up in classic Hollywood and goes into details of the old Hollywood's first, such as the first theater, oldest restaurant, first tourist attraction, and so much more. Welcome, April. Did I miss anything? I think you covered it. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited to have you. I think so many listeners all over the world love movies. They love Hollywood. They're into celebrities. So before we get into that, I'd love to know a little bit of your background. Are you from LA? Other jobs you've had? Other places you've lived? Just to give the listeners a little bit more of an idea about you. Sure, sure. So um, I'm April Clemmer. I moved out to Los Angeles from Georgia in 2008. And I grew up in a town that is you know, if you, you say a traditional small town, but think smaller, <laughs> like no movie theater. <laughs> like, really, there was nothing uh, there. I mean, it was a great community to, to grow up in, but, you know, it was one experience. And I always just dreamed of getting out and being somewhere more exciting. And I decided I wanted to be an actress. And I worked in Atlanta for a few years and then came out to Los Angeles. When I was deciding to move, I thought, you know, I want to know how these careers of these big Hollywood stars really happened because there are so many books out there that you can get that are telling you how to get a headshot or an agent. But if everything could be in a book, everybody would be famous, right? Sure. (laughs) If you had that, I bet you, you would make millions of dollars if you had that secret sauce of how to become, you know, rich and famous through being an actor, actress. (laughs) Yeah, I I wish I did. But um, I decided to look for that by reading biographies of people who had had these really exceptional Hollywood careers. And I started with the classics. And around the same time, I was in a show in uh, Atlanta. And the woman who was playing my mother said, we're talking about Marilyn Monroe one day. And she said, I can't believe you've never seen a Marilyn Monroe film because I hadn't. And she brought me her Marilyn box set that very next night. And I was hooked. And so Marilyn was sort of my gateway into really getting into watching specifically classic film. And along the way, I started to wonder about, you know, locations where things were filmed. I would be reading my biographies and there would be a random address or something really interesting about a building. And so when I got to LA, it was just like this huge Easter egg hunt. <laughs> I can go to these places. I can drive over to find out where Lucille Ball's bungalow that she rented when she rode her bike to RKO every day is. I can go and stand in front of the Knickerbocker Hotel that has all these crazy stories about it and see these things for myself. So I spent a lot of my early time in LA getting to know the the city and its history before I ever thought about uh, doing anything with that knowledge. 
I love that, by the way, because a lot of times, I don't know about you, but for me, I learn history through seeing it, visualizing it, touching it, smell it. Like if you could smell it, smell it, right? I Mm -hmm. think for me, I love to read, but it's one thing to read it. It's another to see it. So I love that not only you learned about the history through reading, right? And I'm sure Googling and researching and understanding, but it's also physically being there, right? And it's really seeing that with your own two eyes for yourself. I love that. And between this segue of living in LA, learning the history, and I'm sure trying to become an actor, actress, what was that light in your head that said, I want to create my own tourism business based on old Hollywood? Well, I was asked to create a blogger tour that ended up uh, never happening. <laughs> it turned into to this walking tour. But people knew that I had a lot of knowledge and I was really into uh, classic Hollywood. So the business improvement district in Hollywood, it's called the Hollywood Partnership, uh, asked me to put together uh, a list of where a lot of old movie theaters had been, or there were still some in existence, but they wanted to dig into that and maybe create some sort of one-off blogger tour. And so I, I did that. And as I was doing it, I, you're looking at building permits and all kinds of things like this. And I started to find all these really cool old locations. And it was sort of like uh, a, a little map of, of history <laughs> on the story of Hollywood kind of popped up and I thought these are some really cool locations and this isn't what they asked for but when I turned in everything I said you know what this little section of Hollywood Boulevard uh, if you're familiar with Hollywood it's uh, between Hollywood and Highland which is a big tourist destination and between uh, and Hollywood and Vine which is a more developed uh, area but in that middle section along the Walk of Fame people just sort of wander through and don't really know what they're looking at or looking for. And I found all of these locations that told the story of Hollywood. And they said, we want to make this a walking tour. And I said, sure, I'll be happy to write that. And they said, no, we want you to give it. And I thought, oh my God, I don't want to. (laughs) It's intimidating, right? It's intimidating. It's one thing to like know the history and love it for yourself. But I think it's another to use your own voice and lead a group of people to talk about it, you know? And this almost sounds like it fell in your lap in a beautiful way where you just knew this stuff and people really like what you said and they thought, well, April, let's do it. (laughs) What what was the scariest part for you trying to become a tour guide? Just the connotation of tour guide in Hollywood is it's not a good thing. Um, For the most part, there are a couple of good companies, but there are a lot of other operators that I just felt I didn't want to be associated with. But it was so cool how the Hollywood partnership allowed me to develop the tour as my own. I do try to wear, you know, period suggestive clothes. I don't want to look like I'm walking around in a, in a crazy costume, but um, I do want to, to dress up and give it sort of an air of a special occasion. And to tell a story that's true, and it's not just about celebrities or just about history or, you know, it's it kind of marries the two interests and the all of the things that people are interested in about classic Hollywood. So it goes beyond just being one subject. And so I think it can be really interesting for people who just love to take tours or history tours or people that love 
classic film. You know, it kind of marries all that together and is interesting for a wider audience. And you also mentioned earlier about learning history even being a physical experience sometimes. And I think a walking tour is a really cool way to get into a city and see, you know, what's really there. There are lots of tours that are on buses or vans and those, I mean, there, there's some really great tours like that that you can take, but it's just different to walk it. hundred percent, actually a hundred million percent because <laughs> don't get me wrong. I've done bus tours. I have done vans. I have done ferries and they're all interesting and beautiful in their own way. But there's something to be said when you're in a walking tour, right? And you're not just walking in the tour, but you're listening, you're watching and observing everything around you. It just becomes a really immersive and different experience. So I love that you offer that really kind of on the ground and showing them these buildings while you're walking, right? It's kind of, you get a little bit of exercise, but you also learn a lot of history and just have a lot of fun too. So I love that you do that. I want to get into some housekeeping with logistics, right? Sure. I want to talk about when do you, you know, kind of the who, what, when, where, why, and how of when do you offer these tours? How long are they? Are they public? How many people? Just give me a little bit of a rundown of what somebody can expect when they go on one of your tours. Sure. We just opened back up for regular Saturday tours this month in May. Uh, We haven't had those since 2020. (laughs) Um, And I did a lot of private tours over during the pandemic and that is still offered. So the two ways to take the tour are to come on a Saturday. They're at 11 a.m. They meet at this very cool bookshop. Uh, That's where we start and end the tour. And those those are the regular public tours and you can get tickets for those um, through my website, uh, oldhollywoodtour.com. And if you're interested in a tour that is another day or a more private experience, maybe I can customize it a little bit for people, maybe include some spots that aren't normally on the tour. Uh, I do offer those. I don't really have specific times. I offer those that people are, you know, it's a private tour, so I want people to be Sure, there's flexibility. Yeah. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. I do those. um, I, you know what? It just has to be light outside. (laughs) I love Hollywood. I think that's fair. (laughs) I think that's fair. I think it's hard to do for any, unless it's a specific kind of walking tour, maybe food arguably, but if you're doing a walking tour, right, you want it to be daylight to some capacity, I mean, to all capacity, really. You want to see the buildings in daylight. You want to walk around and, and see people and not be in the dark or feel it's mysterious or even a little shady or you're just tired, right, physically. So I think sunshine is, (laughs) I think it's very important. And how many people for a public tour is your max capacity? We can take up to 20 and we have headsets for people to use. So, you know, if if people want to distance, you know, comfortably, they can do that. And it also allows you to hear me comfortably over the street noise and people can not worry about having to be in this little cluster and trying to be able to see and hear everything that I'm saying. You know, you can, if there's a building we talked about that you want to linger in front of or take a photo or something like that, it just lets the pace of the tour be a little more leisurely. So I really love uh, that we have those headsets so everybody can hear 
everything in. I don't have to worry about losing people. <laughs> yeah. I love that you offer that. I find a lot of tour, like obviously bigger tour operators seem to offer this or depending on how many people, right? I think there's a lot of factors in that, but considering you're a bit, I'm going to say smaller than maybe a massive tour operator company, I do love that you offer that because again, I'm sure you're on Hollywood Boulevard. That's a very busy street and you want people to hear you without screaming <laughs> and overpowering your voice as well. So I, I love that you offer that. I do want to go into your target audience for a second because I find that a lot of people love Hollywood, right? Again, they love the celebrity. They love old classic films. They love directors, producers. There's a little bit of something for everybody. But if you had to pick a target audience or a particular type of person, right, or a bunch of people, mm-hmm. who do you think would benefit the most from doing this type of tour and really gaining something out of it? I think people who are into classic film would find the history behind the place where you know, the, the backdrop for the whole industry coming together. Uh, I think people would find that interesting. I also find a lot of people that wind up on my tour love history tours. And they're the type of person that anytime they go to uh, on a vacation I would go visit a different city or country. They take walking tours everywhere. So <laughs> there's definitely a group of people out there that love historic walking tours. Sure. I think they're important and people want to know the history and the lay of the land and they can learn some Hollywood too, right? So I love that you offer a little bit of mix of both. But I want to go into some top places, right? I find Hollywood to be very much in studios, right? When, I mean, especially nowadays where they're filming a lot of things, whether it's at a Warner Brothers studio, whether it's an HBO studio, whether it's a Netflix studio, Paramount, in Culver City. You know, there's so many I can go on and on. Are there any places that people can go to that was actually on a set of a movie? Like I know New York seems to have this because there's not as much studio space. So you're doing things actually on the street. Does LA have that? And if they do, are there any locations that people can physically check out themselves? There are. uh, There are quite a few. Uh, Along the tour, just to keep it within the confines of uh, of this conversation, um, the area where I give the tour kind of lines right up with where a lot of silent films were shot uh, in the early 1920s. Uh, there is an alley that it's, it's gated off, but you can go see uh, at the entrance of it, a, it has a plaque that says uh, the Chaplin Keaton Lloyd Alley, because so many films that had Charlie starred Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton and um, Harold Lloyd were filmed there. So they actually recognized uh the alley and gave it a historic plaque uh, last year. And there's one spot on my tour is this where they have a screen grab of a, a Charlie Chaplin film and you see him and Marie Dressler in a 1920s kerfuffle. And you can see a building um, in the background that's still standing today. So that's always a, a cool moment on the tour where people can kind of feel like, Oh, I am, I'm standing where, something significant happened or took place. 
Sure. I think that's a lot of fun. Do you offer people to take pictures in between, right? I feel people want to take pictures of these classic Hollywood places when it comes to the history. Do you allow that on your tour? Do you have any stops or is it more you're just walking and talking and just trying to get through everything? Uh, Well, the headsets help a lot in terms of people being free to take photos, but I want people to have pictures and I want everybody to see this cool, interesting side of Hollywood that most people don't know about. So I'm all about taking photos. I carry a book of historic photos with me that I show at different stops. And a lot of times people will want to take a photo of my photo. That's totally fine. I, I think those are mementos, you know, that you can take with you to remind you of your time in Hollywood. I love that. I think that's really cool. Um, I definitely want to go into any surprising facts about Hollywood that maybe one or two you can share. I find people think they know a lot about Hollywood or classic Hollywood, but I'm sure a lot of people don't know certain things, right? Is there anything that you want to share, maybe two to three facts that surprise people when you tell them that they think, oh, wow, I like really didn't know this? Well, Hollywood was not welcoming to actors when it first, uh, when the movie industry first came to the town. It was actually founded more as a real estate opportunity for, with a couple, it was a couple from the Northeast. And they kind of wanted to create this like rustic yet cultured suburb of Los Angeles. And that's, that's what they did. So when the movies came in and started, you know, having wild chase scenes down the street or just setting up all over and how you had all these strange people coming into town, these very uh, conservative uh, people who had come out, you know, from the Northeast and the Midwest to retire (laughs) were not excited to, to have them. And they actually, some of the people who rented rooms put up signs that said no dogs, no actors. So they didn't even want to rent to actors. So a lot of people don't know that Hollywood was very hostile to the industry. And uh, another interesting fact Hollywood's first tourist attraction was there before the movie industry was there. It was this beautiful garden estate founded by an artist that I talk about in detail on the tour. But it's fascinating to me that Hollywood had this big tourist stop about art before the motion picture industry arrived. And I consider the motion picture industry just to be the coming together of a lot of different artists uh, to make this new form of art that came about in the 20th century. Hmm, That's very interesting. I love to learn things and I'm sure the listeners are fascinated with that as well. And speaking of fascination, why are people so fascinated with Hollywood, celebrities, movies, films, TV shows? Like why – do you think psychologically people are into this? Like what is, what is like, how are they getting people in, right? Like how are they sucking people in to get really excited and intrigued and interested by this? The particularly film industry allows people to get into a, a very intimate place with uh, other people. So we, we go about and live our lives, but 
you know, I think people have a curiosity about, is this what other people do? Is this what other people experience? And so you're able to watch a different situation or experience unfold for people at a very intimate level. And when that is done well, I think it's very compelling. And that's why you have people who have never met this one actor or actress, but they're sort of obsessed with them. <laughs> and they, <laughs> they feel like this person would be their best friend or their boyfriend or their, you know, wife or whoever, you know, they kind of project what they want onto this person or they through a film live an experience with this person that makes them very strongly relate to them. So that's my best guess. <laughs> that's totally fair. That's totally fair. I want to go into what you mentioned earlier about reading biographies and actors and actresses. Is there a, maybe three to five biographies that you recommend people read about in terms of just the history of that person, learning a bit more about their background that you think people would be really intrigued, fascinated, interested, and can really learn something? Oh, yes. I have so many biographies. Uh, one of my... And one thing I really love is to read an autobiography and then the biography of the person if they both exist, because it gives you insight into the person and how they sort of wanted to be memorialized. And then you can compare that with, you know, a, a well-researched, hopefully objective biography. I want to just touch on this for one second before we get into that, because a lot of times people do autobiographies, right? And I think it's into perception, right? Because people want to obviously have you believe a certain thing about them. And then there's this third person who does this research about them. How are they able to even like if I would think I'd believe an autobiography versus a biography, right? Should should a person read both? Should they pick one or the other? Like what is, what's the biggest difference? And do you think there's like a pro and con to both of them, neither of them? I'd love to hear some of your thoughts before we go into top biographies to read and autobiographies. If you can, and if I'm a, I'm a big reader, uh, but I think if you can, and you're really interested in someone, it's worth it to look at their autobiography because yes, people can make up things, but you have to remember these people live their lives in the spotlight. So it's just more their spin. Like most of it is probably not completely made up. It's just <laughs> spin a little different than maybe a, a biographer would tell it. And some of them, you know, wrote their stories to set the record straight. And you have to think about the fact that studios had publicity departments that created an image for these people. And so maybe some of what they're saying in their autobiography is like, this isn't me. You know, this wasn't me. This, this is the real me that I want you to see. Um, and on the other hand, when you read a biography, I think that, you know, some, some stars, you don't have a choice. There's only one, <laughs> but then you have people like, you know, Marilyn Monroe, where there are endless possibilities uh, and you want to pick an author that has a reputation for accuracy or, you know, as you read things, you can kind of tell when people are editorializing versus just relating the facts. And you want to try to find the most objective source possible, you know, in the case of a biography. Sure. And it's somebody really doing their research, right? And being thorough. I almost think of that as like documentaries to a certain point. If you're not into reading, I think you want to make sure a documentary, of course it can be, 
fluffed a little bit. But if you watch a documentary from a critically acclaimed producer, the, you could tell these people are really doing research. It's more believable versus something that's just thrown together last minute, right? I think people can kind of tell these days. So it's it's very interesting you say that. So thank you for sharing. But I do want to circle back and ask you about some of your favorites, whether it's an autobiography or a biography of three to five people that you really love, admire, respect, adore, interested by anything. <laughs> yes, I loved Swanson on Swanson, which is Gloria Swanson's autobiography. She was a fascinating person. Her life was fascinating and movies were not her entire life. So she's an interesting story. Uh, Lana Turner and again, an autobiography, but uh, she wrote The Lady, The Legend, and The Truth. And that's one that she spins some things a little bit, but a lot of it is things that she wants to clear up. You know, she's the person that everyone said uh, when they you talk about being discovered in the sitting at the soda fountain, she was that girl. And people always say it was Schwab's and it, it wasn't Schwab's and she opens her book with that. <laughs> she's like, I wasn't discovered at this place. It was a different place, you know, and uh, she kind of goes on to to dispel some myths. And uh, she said, you know, I thought I would have, uh, you know, a lot of children and one husband. And instead I had lots of husbands and one child. So, <laughs> she, Funny how that works. Yeah, she's interesting to read about. Ava Gardner, I would actually recommend doing both. Um, but again, I think I, I obviously am really drawn to autobiographies. Her autobiography sounds like she is talking to you. Like you can just, if you've watched her movies, you can just hear her saying these things in her voice. And it sounds exactly like you're having a conversation with her and hearing about her life. Personally, for me too, I like autobiographies. I like to hear it from the source, right? A biography is nice if you want that third person perspective, right? I think of somebody like, even though she wasn't an actress, but I think of like Princess Diana, right? There's a million documentaries on her. There's so many books, so many photos, just so much about her life that it's mind boggling. And I'm sure it's very similar for like a Marilyn Monroe too, just so much mm -hmm. information. So it's nice if you are able to hear it from the source of the person, because chances are they might've had somebody help them edit the book, but it's nice to hear their voice coming from them versus a third person talking about them. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. And I'm really glad you shared some of those. They're very fascinating. It reminds me of, um, this is going to age myself here, but kind of the E! Hollywood, true Hollywood oh, stories, right? I love <laughs> E! True Hollywood story. <laughs> How do you feel about those? I wish those came back on. Um, but do you think those were, when they were on, did you find they were accurate? Did you think it was too much? You know, do you think that was a good representation of the person? You know, it's hard to judge because I was so much younger when I watched them that I don't think I had a perception of like, is this true? I mean, of course it was true. It was on TV. So I, uh, now I think I would watch them through a different lens, but I feel very strongly about things like, you know, historic fiction and, you know, biopics. I, I really get uh, a little frustrated when liberties are taken because that's how most people are going to experience that material. Even though it says this is fiction or it says this might not be exactly what happened, you know, however many disclaimers you want to throw on it, people are going to experience that as the truth. And so I think that 
you have a responsibility when you're creating content um, regarding a person, an actual person to be true to their life. You know, if you want to create fiction, make up a character. Sure. I agree with that. I think there is a massive <laughs> distinct dif- difference between nonfiction and fiction. And you want to make sure if it's nonfiction, you really want to stick to objection and as many facts as you can. And fiction, you can just go wild, go crazy, make up the craziest things you want, right? It's not real. So I'm really glad you said that too. I want to circle back talking about movies because Hollywood is clearly this mecca, right? For movies and premieres and award shows and so much more. Are there any movie theaters or any places that people should check out if you're like a real movie film kind of person that if you're going to LA, right, you have to check out, let's say three to five places, whether it's a studio, a movie theater, just anything related to film, Hollywood and movies. Well, the uh, Hollywood American Legion just redid their theater. And a lot of what they screen are classic films and they are on, uh, you know, they are the, they are on actual film, you know, not, not digital. Uh, so they believe a lot in trying to screen something if they can in the original format. And so people who are huge film buffs really value seeing films that way. And just a lot of their programming is classic. Uh, so I definitely recommend checking them out. I also really love the El Capitan in Hollywood. It's uh, owned by Disney, so it shows a lot of modern films. It's usually where the first run of the Marvel movies and things like that happen. But they also will occasionally do these uh, really cool days where they'll pull like a Disney film out of the vault. And this was my daughter's first movie going experience. And I was determined it would be at the El Capitan because they have an organ that comes out of the floor of the stage and he plays for a sing-along before the film. And then you're in this gorgeous, you know, deco theater experiencing, you know, a classic Disney movie for her. It was Sleeping Beauty. And it just feels classy for some, you know, in the way that going to a, a regular movie theater doesn't. When we go to those theaters, I always think, wow, you know, I would go to the movies way more often if I was coming to a place like this. Define a classic movie theater to me because nowadays the way movie theaters are, you have reclining chairs in some of these theaters, you have dinner being served to you, you can go to a bar and have drinks. Like what is your definition of a classic movie theater and why do you think more of them possibly should come back and be that, you know, old school style way? Well, I think the more things that you add to the theater in terms of, you know, the the creature comforts and things, I think you take away a little bit of the experience of just sitting there watching the film. You know, if you're like thinking about ordering your second drink or, you know, you know, not spilling your dinner on you or whatever. I just, I think it takes away from just sitting there and just focusing on the movie and experiencing how it was uh, meant to be experienced. And in defining a classic movie theater, you know, I would say something built during the golden era. I hate to put, I hate to put a year on it, but I would say maybe earlier than 19, maybe earlier than 1940. But when they still did, they were about awing you when you came to the theater. They wanted to draw people in and they wanted to feel uh, when you got there, like 
it was a special night out for you. So it was a very grand experience. So the ones that have, you know, the staircases with the balconies and all the um, architectural detailing on the walls, even on the ceiling, um, just down to even the armrests on the chairs. When the, all of that is decorated, it's just such a beautiful atmosphere and environment that you're in that it, it makes it a more formal experience to come in and watch a movie. Hundred percent. I have been in one or two older movie theaters when I used to go to the movies more, but there's something very charming and elegant about that experience. Or even when you watch it in movies too, it just seemed like a fun date night. I loved how you waited in front of the line to get your ticket. It was just very old school and very sincere and very real. Nowadays, we can order a movie ticket online. We just kind of walk in. People don't greet you in that way. You just kind of go to your <laughs> your room, right? It's it's just a different experience, and I don't want to say it's terrible. I think some people really still love the movies to this day, but it's not the same, right? It's not the same as that classic, elegant, and beautiful experience that you just mentioned before, but I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. I think that's a really interesting fact, and for anyone going to LA, I think those are great options too. I have a couple more questions before we slowly wrap up. The first one is, I'd love to know in modern times, you know, let's say in the past 30, 40 years, I'd love to know three or five actors that you love kind of more in today's world. I know you do a lot more classic, but I'm very intrigued on what you think of quote unquote more modern actors and maybe three to five that you love. I really love, this is going to sound crazy, but um, ever since Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out, I love Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. And I think they both really won me over in that movie because I wouldn't have said, <laughs> I don't think I would have said that before. Um, but I feel like Leonardo DiCaprio has really proved himself in a lot of different types of roles and worked with a lot of very high profile people. And he has the kind of career that frankly, I think is very difficult to have nowadays when you don't have the power of a studio behind you pushing you forward um i don't think having this conversation you can leave meryl streep out of it <laughs> she's just so decorated and recognized and she almost feels like uh if we still had you know some of the classic film stars with us today you know i don't want to quite put her in that category but uh, she's I think really amazing. Um, I personally love Kate Winslet. Anything that she is in, um, I've I found her very interesting to watch. Yeah, I think you just said some really good options too, and really classic actors and actresses, people who have evolutionized themselves. Right, I I'm always amazed, even with someone like Jared Leto, for example, how he goes from one crazy extreme of a character to completely something else. I think it it kind of blows my mind and you just think, wow, like that's a lot of work to get to that place. So I know at Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt and Meryl Streep and others, that's not an easy feat, especially through decades of a career to constantly evolutionize yourself, right? And to change with the times, right? Change with the energy of the world and to do movies that are relevant to that time frame. So I love that uh, you mentioned that. And two more questions for you. First one is, I'd love to know your thoughts on 
the future of Hollywood or what you think the future of Hollywood is, right? I know you know a lot about classic, right? Mm -hmm. But you've been able to read and understand Hollywood going through the decades. What do you think or expect, right? If you kind of had a quote unquote crystal ball of kind of the future of Hollywood and what you think will happen over, let's say the next 10 to 20 years. I look at my crystal ball and I see two really divergent paths. Um, okay. <laughs> I There's been a lot of investment into Hollywood The Place um, by companies like Netflix. And I, I loved that the industry was sort of coming back home. And this is pre, pre-pandemic trying to establish itself more in, in back in the center of where it began. And I think if that continues and the proper attention is paid, you know, by the city and uh, local government uh, into keeping our, our resources there, I think Hollywood has an amazing future, you know, continuing its reputation as like a top tourist draw and, and really delivering on that. Um, I think with, some investment from the right places, Hollywood can really get to the next level because they're already such cool. Uh, there's, there's development that people don't like, but then there's development like, you know, restaurants that are bringing back, you know, the feel of what the building was used for before they were there. Um, you know, I, I have a, a sheet that I send out to people who book my private tour and I suggest places. Um, I'm like, I'm going to talk about these on the tour and they're places you can go to, um, now. <laughs> so, you know, you might want to check them out and, you know, see if you want to go to the no vacancy, uh, speakeasy or, you know, go to see the magic show at the black rabbit rose. Um, but I think if people don't honor what Hollywood has been and what got it to where it is today, then I think we're going to lose some of that magic and some of that draw that we, we have currently. And that would really be a shame because Hollywood is more of an idea than a place. It's actually not a place um, on a map. (laughs) There are, there's no like Hollywood, California. Yes. Like you can write a letter and write Hollywood, California on it, but if you don't have the right zip code, it's not going it's not getting there. It's Los Angeles. And Hollywood was only an actual city for seven years from 1903 to 1910. So, and then it was Los Angeles, but it's just Hollywood. It's just this name. And I go into where the name came from and why it's there on the tour, but I don't, I don't want to lose the magic that comes with that idea and that name. And people want, something to attach it to. They want something where they can come and sort of experience a little bit of that magic and glamour that the movies uh, brought into American life when they started. There had never been entertainment like that before on that level. And I, I think that I, I hope that we don't start to lose that in, in the rush to meet um, all of the different kinds of needs that you have in a city. Um, you know. Sure. I love that you said that too. I think tourism is going to be really interesting to see how things play out in the next five to 10 years to think about why a city is that city, right? You you visit somewhere for a reason. 
whether you go to New York to try all the different cuisines and you go to the museums, there's a spark there that people want to be in New York, right? Just as much as LA. People want to be part of the film. They want to be part of Hollywood in some capacity. They want to check out the beaches. They want to be part of that scene, that energy, that culture. Just as much as I'd argue San Francisco, right, for Silicon Valley, as much as I'd argue San Diego for being perfect weather, even Austin for being this new tech capital now, or Miami for its flavor, right? Just rattling off some cities within the US, and I can go into international, but we'd be here all day. But it's, it is that energy and preserving that. And I think a lot more people are looking to do that. And I only hope that for LA in particular, it does that because that is a massive reason why people travel to LA or right, maybe even move to LA. They want to be part of that. So that's very interesting. And I have one more question before we really wrap up. And it's a question I love to ask at the end of every episode is how do you want people to feel after they experience your tour with you? Uh, I want them to feel excited about the future of Hollywood and, and what they've learned. I want them to feel enlightened and inspired. Um, really inspired is is what I think I want to go for because people come to Hollywood and if you don't have a plan, it can be a little difficult to navigate and, you know, a little frustrating or disappointing, but there's so much magic here and you just have to know where to look. And I think the story of Hollywood, uh, I say this, this is very cliche, but the story of how it became a tiny town to tinsel town is fascinating. <laughs> and I know is that like, marketing heavy enough for you um, but it's a- no I loved that though because that's the, the you know you want to learn that right like a lot of people nowadays think of Hollywood as this mecca but it started as a seed right it started as a little baby nothing and now a hundred years later right or a little more than a hundred years it's huge it's they they arguably capital of the world for entertainment movies film for actors and actresses things like that so nothing wrong with that <laughs> and i think everybody kind of wants that to be their story and everybody likes to hear that kind of story we love to see you know something small grow into its strengths and move to something that is powerful and has an impact on the world and that's what hollywood has and just to tell the story of how that happened, I think, is an inspirational experience overall. A million percent. I, I love that. I think that's a great segment, and I'm really glad you mentioned that. So thank you for sharing. And I never like to wrap these up, but April, you've been absolutely wonderful. I'm so excited you talked about old Hollywood tours. We got into some biographies, autobiographies fun places to check out in LA and really just the magic of Hollywood, right? Even if it's not a town, just the energy and magic to visit somewhere that people really feel connected to from arguably all over the world, as much as people love movies and actors and celebrities and learning about the classic history of Hollywood. I'm fascinated with it myself and I'm sure anybody else would love to learn more and potentially book a tour with you. So I'd love for you to just shamelessly plug away your website, social media, and most importantly, how can people book a tour with you? Yes, definitely. Um, you can book a tour at my website. It's oldhollywoodtour.com. And there's a little form there that you can email me if you want to book a private tour. Um, you can just click right from the site. Uh, tickets are on Eventbrite. If I don't know if people are following that, um, but you can find it there too. 
Um, but you can just go from the website, oldhollywoodtour.com and book one of the Saturday tours with uh, myself or one of my other wonderful guides. And follow me on social. I share a lot of classic film um, and Hollywood history, little tidbits and details. I mainly am on Instagram and that's April's Hollywood. So my name with an S, Hollywood. Um, and I am on other on Twitter and Facebook sometimes also at April's Hollywood, but really hanging out on Instagram. Um, and I love to hear what people want to know about and their questions about old Hollywood. I love to use that for content ideas. So feel free to DM me. Let me know you heard this. Let me know if you want to book a tour, I might give you a discount. If you send me a message. <laughs> oh, yeah. Perfect. I love, I love, love that. To hear from you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, April, for coming on. It's been wonderful to have you. Yeah, well, thank you so much. This was great. It was really great. Thank you so much for tuning into Travel Experiences Reimagined podcast. Click the subscribe button to learn about a new tour guide or host each week, where you'll find out more about how they got started, talking in detail about their experience, and any fun facts or tips that they'd like to share. Do you have an experience that you would like others to learn about? Whether it is a tour, excursion, adventure, or experience? Fill out our form online, on our website, at www.travelexperiencesreimagined.com for a chance to share your story and experience so others can learn more about what you have to offer.